Welcome to the Irresistible Marketing Pod, the podcast that helps you use your marketing powers for good. By now, you all know how strongly I feel about creating marketing that partners with your body for creativity rather than ignores its needs for the sake of productivity. But I also feel strongly about creating marketing that doesn't hurt anyone else's body either. I feel so strongly about this that I actually will not take on clients in the diet or weight loss industries, because with just a little bit of investigation, it's easy to see that our culture's strange obsession with defining health as thinness is based on some pretty shaky science. Also, some pretty unkind attitudes towards people who did nothing to deserve being judged and discriminated against due to the size and shape of their bodies. So let's strive to make marketing that sparks body love, inclusivity, and acceptance rather than fat phobia. Joining me to discuss just how to do this is the marvelous Carrie M., the naked body coach and creator and host of the fabulous Closer Together podcast, which you should definitely all go listen to as soon as this episode is over. Well, hello, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on the Irresistible Marketing Pod. Would you mind letting the people know who you are? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I am Carrie M. I am the Naked Body Coach. I am all about body positivity, body neutrality, radical self-acceptance, and just loving yourself exactly as you are. I am personally a larger bodied person, so I tend to hang out in the realms of like breaking down weight stigma and fat phobia and all that stuff, which I think is why I'm here today. So why I invited you on is in addition to being an awesome person, you have your own podcast closer together where you just recently did a really beautiful episode on internalized fat phobia that resonated with me so much. And I know like interpersonally, We've had private conversations about just how pervasive diet culture, weight loss stuff is in the marketing that we're constantly surrounded with. And my goal for for our podcast in this episode today is to give people um, some clarity and awareness of ways this sort of harmful messaging might be seeping in unintentionally mm-hmm. for their marketing and give them some ideas for alternative messaging or ways of marketing products and services that they could consider embracing instead. Yeah, absolutely. To start out with, uh, would you mind letting folks know what is fat phobia? So fat phobia is a really broad term that can cover lots of different things. The the easiest way to break it down is to think that like thin equals good and fat equals bad. And this is kind of a pillar of society that we've had for a very long time. And so when we see a thin person, we assign certain virtues to them. They're like, they have these, you know, good virtues that they are good at choosing what to eat or that they work out a lot or that they are a good person in some way, which all of that might be true, but we have no idea just looking at their body shape to be like, that's definitely a good person. And then on the flip side, when we see a fat person, we think the opposite. They don't know how to eat properly. They'll only choose fried foods that they don't exercise. They're lazy. And that's why they're shaped that way. Those things may or may not be true, but we can't tell that just from looking at them, right? We can't just see a body shape and be like, we know exactly what your character is. 
But so that is fat phobia at its core is like a, judging someone's character based off of how their body is shaped. Yeah, that's so important to understand. And just to shout out a quick resource, if this is a new subject for you, I love the podcast maintenance phase for breaking down how these myths that falsely associate health or lack thereof with body size. Um, it's such a great podcast because you learn that a lot of the things we take for granted as what's healthy or what's not healthy are actually like marketing, for instance, and based on very shaky, unreliable science. You actually um, had um, recommended maintenance phase to me and a few other people after like three or four people kept saying I should listen to it. I finally started listening to it. And yeah, I definitely echo that endorsement that it's a very good like debunking. If you're a fan of debunking the status quo, debunking myths, like that's, this is a great one for, for fat people, debunking the whole fat weight stigma. Totally. So one thing that really struck me when listening to your absolutely beautiful internalized fat phobia episode on Closer Together was you mentioned like a few pop culture, I think they were like TV show mm -hmm. examples of um, just really overt fat shaming. And I was thinking back, I think we're are you in your mid thirties? Um, yeah, yeah, same. Okay. So I was thinking back to like some of the shows I grew up with and how like prevalent it was like friends, new girls. It was just in like all of the TV shows. I'm wondering, um, I'm guessing, do you have any marketing examples from that time as well that stand out to you? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, like pop culture when we were growing up, we we both grew up in the 90s. So that was like a terrible time to be a fat person. <laughs> because everyone was thin in all pop culture, everything. And uh, this isn't necessarily marketing, but the first thing that came up to me, I don't know if you watched the show Daria when you were a kid, or even now, I think it's on Hulu or somewhere. But there's a character in Daria and she sticks out in my memory a lot. And she's a woman. She's not in every episode, but she's a woman and she is very large and she wears like a big moo moo and that's all she's ever wearing. And she struggles to breathe. Anytime she moves, she's like, <gasps> like breathing really like grossly heavily breathing. And there's one episode where they're like selling chocolate bars for a fundraiser and they go to her door and she like freaks out about the chocolate bar. And she's like, just give me the chocolate bar. She's like a monster basically. And that's, that is, I think, what fat people were in the 90s. Like if fat people were presented in media in some way, they were presented as a joke. They were presented as a monster. They were presented as disgusting. And like like you mentioned friends, like it was a joke that Monica was fat and they put Courtney Cox in a fat suit and they made fun of her, right? Like that was funny. That was the bit. It was a gag. So uh yeah, as far as like marketing, I mean, what I'm thinking about is like magazines, right? I was a teenage girl. So <laughs> I was looking at like Cosmopolitan and Seventeen and, you know, all of the models were like, who is that um, stick thin model? Not Kate Bush. What is her name? Kate Moss. Kate Moss was like skin and bones, itty bitty little thing. Heroin chic. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, chic. If you're younger than us and you might be like used to seeing different sizes of people on the runway, but when Carrie and I were coming up as like kids and preteens, there was one body size you'd see for models mm -hmm. and pretty much like one body size you'd see for famous actresses too. Mm -hmm. um, 
And if you want to listen to another great podcast, which I'll shout out, Iway with Jamila Jamil, um, you learn that actually a lot of those pop culture figures that were the ideal body and the beautiful woman um, were the product of like pretty serious and devastating eating disorders. So, <laughs> um, well, and that's something I touched on on my episode is like I was aware back then that they were the, like, that wasn't their natural body. Like, to me, I don't know if everyone else was aware, but like, it was clear that nobody was like, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet as a full-grown adult, you know, <laughs> like a full-grown adult should weigh more than that. I was aware that they weren't eating, that they were likely, you know, had some sort of eating disorder and were maybe exercising too much or all of those things. That stuff was popular back then. That stuff was seen as virtuous to be like, oh, wow, you went two days without eating. Like, that's amazing. Like, that was like, the epitome of willpower in the circles that I ran and people would like congratulate you for not eating, which is bizarre to me now. Back then it was normal. That's what you did. But like, now that I think about it, I'm like, that's so unhealthy. Yeah. So it made me think like, so we, we grew up with such overt fat shaming and fat phobia, pervasive in pop culture, the media and marketing. And in some ways I feel like it's, it's gotten better. Like now we see different types of models on the runway. Thank you, Savage Fenty. <laughs> Shout out Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now we see different uh, body shapes for actresses. Now we see different ethnicities, but I feel like fat phobia hasn't like left us Mm-mm. in our current um, media pop culture landscape. Where do you see fat phobia as residing now? I mean, everywhere. I agree with you. It definitely has not left us. And I think part of the reason that we don't see it going away yet, hopefully, is because I think we're on a good trajectory of having different body shapes and different, you know, people represented in media and in marketing. But with that, anytime that we like a social justice cause comes forward and starts saying like, hey, this is not okay how we're treating these people, there's always the counter, right? They always come up and they're like, no, this is what I learned and this is what I grew up with and it's definitely okay. Like, don't tell me I'm wrong. And so then for fat phobia in particular, you get a lot of like gym bros out there saying how, you know, you're not happy because you're fat. You're just pretending or you're you know, lying and fat phobia doesn't exist. Fat people are bad. And so there's this like really interesting push right now or not push, but there's this like pull between those two that I don't think we had that when I was younger, it was just accepted that fat is bad. And now that people are like, maybe fat's not bad. Like maybe it's okay just to have different body shapes. Now there's a more outspoken group of like, no, like, fuck you. Like definitely fat is bad. And that's not something we had to contend with at least when I was younger, because no one was really standing up for fat people. And so you didn't have to have that fight of those really aggressive people being like, no, they're definitely bad. Yeah. Can you, I remember like when Lizzo first busted out on the scene, like I literally felt like crying every time I saw her for a while. Cause I was just like, yeah. oh, the world needed you so much. Like, thank you for existing. But like, it's so disheartening to see like the haters she gets and just the kind of like constant bombardment of negativity um so like every time I see someone in a larger body just living their life being awesome um it's such like mixed emotions can you if you feel comfortable would you mind letting me know like 
how, how does it feel to see someone like Lizzo out on the scene? Or how does it feel to see like a fat, um, acceptance in marketing? Um, what, what does that do for you personally? I mean, it's amazing. Like representation is everything. So like, if we're looking at like how to combat any sort of ism, racism, sexism, (laughs) phobias, you know, like weight stigma, like if you can see yourself in that in somewhere, anywhere in the world, like that's, it just warms your heart to be like, wait. So like, okay, when I was growing up, I know I'm talking about a lot about the nineties, when I was growing up, like, like I said, fat people were monsters. So I was like terrified of being a fat person because I didn't want to be seen like that. I didn't want to be judged that way. And so when I became a fat person, that was like a really hard realization for me that I was like, how are people going to treat me? How are people going to perceive me? And so being able to see fat people in a positive light or even just a neutral light of like living their life, going to the grocery store or whatever, enjoying a concert or something, you know, just being a human and being like, look, they're happy. Like it gives you permission to love yourself, you know, if you can see it other where, other places, but if you don't ever see it anywhere else, or when you do see it, it's a really negative light and people are making fun of it, that the only option is to like hate yourself or like really radically defy all of society and try and love yourself, which is like a very uphill battle. So yeah, it's lovely to see larger people, Lizzo in particular, who is just out there being herself and loving exactly who she is. It gives other people that permission to just love themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. So I did a, an episode recently where I was talking with a rad queer trans therapist, um, Renee Johnson, about how to make marketing more welcoming of queer trans people. And they were saying that if you're a queer trans person, so in a marginalized identity, and you see no one that looks like you anywhere in the marketing for a business, you probably are not going to assume you're welcome there and oh, are going absolutely. To be like less likely to support that business than a business where you see yourself reflected in the marketing. Would you say a similar thing happens for people um, in larger bodies? Yeah, totally. So I get that like 100%. Because I think what the basis of that is, is you don't feel safe, right? Like you don't know if everyone looks completely different than you, then you don't know how they're going to react to someone who looks different coming in. And so there's this phenomena of like fat has now been equated to health. And so if you're fat, you're unhealthy. And if you're thin, then you're healthy, which is not true, but that's how we're like viewing it as a society. And so people tend to feel really bold about telling you what you should be doing in order to not be quote unquote unhealthy. So it's like a thin person will see you and they'll often be like, oh, you should buy this thing. You should be eating like this. This is what I do in order to maintain my figure, which is like unwelcome at best is like things. Wait, like just strangers or people? Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's hard to eat in public and you know, cause you like people will look at you or like certain people will make comments about like your choices of what you're eating. Or, you know, like you'll be, uh, this is not my story, but I think it's a maintenance phase. What's the woman on maintenance phase's name? Aubrey Aubrey Gordon. Aubrey Gordon. Yeah. She said something, which I've heard from other people too, or like, they'll be out walking their dog or something and people will shout like, good for you. Like you'll get there. And it's like, I'm just living my life. You know, I don't need like the encouragement of like, I mean, thank you, but like, no, thank you. You know? So it's just like a very uh, you're very aware that everyone is aware that you're fat, right? And that's the first thing that they're seeing. It's the first thing they're judging about you. 
And so when you see in marketing that everyone is thin and everyone is potentially like one race, then you don't know that you're safe to go in there. And because who knows what these people are going to say, they may be very welcoming and very understanding and very, you know, not care at all. But there's the chances are there's someone in there that's going to make you feel uncomfortable and try and like, all of a sudden you're having to justify why you're shaped the way you are when you're just trying to, you know, go to dinner or, you know, utilize a service, you know, work with a coach that you enjoy or whatever. And people are now making you, you know, explain why you're shaped the way you're shaped. So in essence, as like someone who identifies as fat, you're not going to assume you're welcome in a business, particularly if topics of food, fashion, um, wellness, health are going to come up. So you wouldn't just automatically assume you're welcome there. You'd need to have like some clues from the business itself that you aren't going to be mistreated. Is that fair to say? And the things you just mentioned, those are definitely red flags. Like if you see people talking about wellness, if you see people talking about health, obviously if you see people talking about weight, like those are red flags to be like, I'm probably just going to turn around and walk straight the other direction. Like those are big red flags in marketing. Such a good point. So just to highlight that for my folks, if you are in one of those industries, so food, fashion, health, wellness, and no fat people show up in your marketing, um, if it's only like thin people and if there's, even if you don't even touch on the subject, but if there's zero representation, you are losing customers. (laughs) You are losing customers. Well, even, and not to talk bad about Lizzo because I absolutely love Lizzo, but if you go to Yiddy's, her, she has a fashion line, Yiddy. If you go to her website, it is, it takes a while for you to find someone that's like over 160 pounds on that website. Everyone on that front page is thin or what I would consider thin too, you know, but it's frustrating because it's like, you know, she came, like, I love Lizzo. I love what she stands for. She came out with a fashion line and I was like, oh, hell yeah. And then I went to the front page. I don't think she's the one running the front page. And like all of the models are svelte, slender people. And I was like, wait, what the hell? Where did all the fat people go? Like, why aren't there fat people here? I'm very confused about the messaging. So it's like, even when it comes, like when the core message is like, you know, let's all love our bodies and let's all be, you know, let's all love our bodies. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but even when that core message is there, if your marketing's not matching that, you're losing customers, right? Like I haven't bought anything from Yiddy because most of the things that I look at are from on thin people. They're on thin bodies. So that's such a good point. And like, I don't have the stats on this right now, but I'll probably look them up before I publish this episode. But I feel like like the traditional model body is a very small percentage of the population. Like people mm-hmm. in a small size or medium size are a very small percentage of the population. So when we're saying you're losing customers by not having fat representation and fat acceptance, you're losing like a lot of customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many. Yeah, the average, I don't know the exact stats, but like I think 16 might be the average size from what I've read months ago, (laughs) but I think, yeah, it's like a size 16 is like your average, you know, and that's like when you take everyone into account. And so, and that's like most sizes stop at like 12 stores, stop at size 12 and that's just for clothing. But yeah. So, I mean, think about how many people there are in the world that are above the general model model body shape. And then we only ever see the general model body shape is just, it's alienating a significant portion of the population. 
Yeah. And so I'd love to talk a little bit more about red flags, because I think there's a lot of business owners and marketers out there that are well-meaning, but are unintentionally sending out red flags in their marketing. Like we don't even have to touch the diet and weight loss industry because like their (laughs) whole premise is fat phobia. But I think a place where I see it happen unintentionally or unconsciously a lot is health and wellness industries. And would you be willing to share some examples of some red flags you see in the health wellness um, and even coaching spaces? Yeah. So health and wellness is uh, pretty much been, I don't know if I want to say hijacked or if it's just that like weight stigma repackaged itself into health and wellness. So it was like back when we were younger, as we were saying, like, it was okay to be like, you don't want to get fat. And now it's not okay to say that it's not okay to be like, you don't want to be fat. So do these things, which, and so it's been repackaged into like, here's how you can stay healthy. Here's how you can take care of yourself and be well. And that is coded language for here's how you cannot be fat. Here's how you can get thin. And so honestly, like most of the wellness industry to me is a red flag. If we're talking about like any of the things that are not funded, founded by science, like uh, gut bacteria, my, uh, what is it, probiotics, and any of those things that they talk about, like how they're going to like change your body chemistry, or you need like this one ingredient in order to like change your gut bacteria. What they're saying is in order to digest food differently so that you don't get fat, right? (laughs) Like anyone focusing on gut bacteria is focusing on not getting fat, which is like, what's wrong with being fat? That's the question we really have to go into. So that's a big red flag for me. Um, Saying that your weight will naturally even out due to something like, you know, like if you're balancing yourself so like finding like the balance and then your weight will naturally even out to what it's supposed to be like how do you know what my weight is supposed to be I don't even know what my weight is supposed to be (laughs) like nobody knows what my natural weight should be we just like the only person who knows that is like God and I don't even believe God exists (laughs) but so you know so that's like a big red flag of like once you do these things to like make yourself happy or keep yourself well then your weight will even out is like that's just not true for many, many people. There are so many different factors that go into weight. But uh, I guess my point is like, most of what we hear in the wellness industry is just coded language for here's how not to be fat. It's like you can be quote unquote healthy is what they're saying is we can make you thin. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I'm also curious about like, so, I mean, you are a coach, I'm a coach. So I think we're probably in some of the same online spaces. I'm wondering if you, there's also any red flags you see in the way people might talk about something like mindset, manifestation, productivity, if there's any like coded red flags you see in these kind of this kind of language, since that's so prominent right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the big ones is definitely putting the onus on the yourself you know like like manifesting is what kind of piqued my interest there is that we often tend to think that like we're in complete control of our lives and that we are the you know what is that like we're the masters of our own fate (laughs) and like we definitely have a say in like the way that we feel and how we react to situations but there are circumstances that are beyond our control and so if someone is like I heard I listened to a podcast the other day And the woman said that she was really nervous. She was talking about manifesting. She was very nervous about going to Beijing 
because she didn't like fish and she wasn't going to be able to eat anything. And she kept talking about how she wasn't going to be able to eat anything. And on the way there, she caught norovirus and then couldn't eat the entire time she was there. And she was like, I manifested that. I manifested getting sick so that I couldn't eat because I kept saying I wouldn't be able to eat there. And it was like, that is a really, really dangerous mindset to have that like your thoughts are what are creating your body shape, your sickness, like illnesses that come to you. Like this idea that we are creating the negative in our lives, that's super, super red flag right there. And so like with that, with fat phobia, you know, it's like, because I'm having like negative thoughts or because I'm unsure of myself or I have low self-confidence, is that why I'm fat? Did I bring this on myself that I'm suffering in society and that society doesn't treat me well because I've done something wrong? Like that's a big red flag. That's, oh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think, like, I'm in a complicated relationship with manifestation. Like, some of the teachings I find so helpful to, like, not talk myself out of something I really want, but then, like, where it runs into sticky territory is, like, I don't think my thoughts created racism, or I don't think my (laughs) thoughts created homophobia, and, like, And then like, that's so heartbreaking to hear it coupled with fat phobia. Like if you have a moral judgment on fat people already, which is something you should absolutely dismantle to be like, well, they must have, they must be thinking wrong to be like that. Um, And, you know, like what really changes the game is like, what if we just thought of like, fat people is beautiful, like, like the shape being the shape they are, then what it like what does that say about their thoughts then or what does that say about your thoughts right. <laughs> imposing a moral judgment on other folks that's undue but anyway okay went down a train of trail oh, yeah. trail. Um, to say if you don't mind oh yeah so with that of the idea of like our thought anyway but uh I like to apply the toddler rule which is the why rule I think some coaches call it like the five whys I remember when we think like, what if fat people were beautiful? What if we thought of them that way? So you'd be like, well, fat people aren't beautiful. And you can say, why? Why aren't fat people beautiful? And you're like, because, and then you go, just go down that chain of like, because thin people are beautiful. Like that's just naturally how we do it. Well, why do we naturally want thin people? And you just keep asking why for every uh, response that you have to the previous why. And eventually you uncover where your biases started. <laughs> <laughs> why it is that you're thinking these unconscious biasy thoughts oh so good okay journaling prompt right there for everybody <laughs> listening um so I wanted to um now that we've devastated everybody which is my style devastate everybody <laughs> at first and then bring them some hope um let's talk about, uh, what are some green flags you'd see in marketing? So we mentioned, um, representation, uh, maybe you could even use the example is you recently hosted a a naked yin yoga. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me how you wanted to welcome in larger body folks and how you uh, showed that in your marketing. Yeah. So, representation is definitely one of the biggest things. The um, image that I use for, and for anyone who's unaware, Naked Yin was like literally a yoga class with fully naked people in it. Like we all gathered and we were in the buff and did yoga. And so this is actually an interesting story 
for me, but uh, I was trying to find the image that I would use in my marketing. So I wanted like one solid image so that it was like, you know, everyone, anytime they saw it, they knew exactly what that was, what event that was talking about. And so I was going through like Unsplash and Canva and I was looking up like naked bodies because, you know, I didn't want like, obviously it couldn't have like nipples or vaginas in it because it's marketing and it's got to be, you know, so I was trying to find like some sort of fun naked body to put on there and everything was thin and the few that I found were large were like very face focused and I didn't want like the face of someone I don't know in the marketing but it was very very few and most of them were not naked and I mean like the thin people that were naked that I was finding were like bones sticking out of them like you could like see their spine bones that I was anyway that's a tangent. So what I finally just ultimately decided to do was I was just going to take a picture of myself. I was like, all right, well, I'm hosting a naked event anyway. So why don't I put myself into that marketing? So like on that one thing is like, I'm walking the walk. Like this is me. You're seeing my body, my naked body on the marketing. And then I was explicit in what I was saying in the marketing was, you know, like I made sure that I was like, these are who's welcome. These are who are not welcome and who was not welcome was men in this particular thing for a safety thing it wasn't about whether or not you're fat or thin anyone was welcome any sizes were welcome but that was you know in the marketing of me being explicit of like this is the intent of what I want this event to be this is a safe space and you know like all um not genders but all transgendered women were welcome you know so like I made sure that I put it out there I didn't leave anything up for questioning, if that makes sense. Because I think a lot of times marketing can be confusing and we're like, well, I don't know if this is right for me or not. And like you said, sometimes we like, if we just see certain images, we just assume that's not a space for me. So I made sure to put myself up there as a large person naked. And then I made sure that my copy was explicit about like what the intent was and who was welcome. Yeah, and and since we, we just went we bashed like the coaching industry a little bit. I mean, they kind of deserved it. Um, I'm wondering if like, I'm sure you've had coaches yourself. What was the tipping point where you're like, I'm going to make the investment in this person because I feel like they're not going to body shame me or, or tell me like what they did in their marketing to make you feel like they would be a good fit. Yeah, I would say it was, they showed themselves really like that was honestly like she did there's one particular coach that I'm thinking of and she did like a bunch of photo shoots with herself some of them were in bikinis some of them were in cute street clothes you know and all of her marketing was very herself centered and so like I saw her I saw her as a real person and not as a model that <laughs> is you know like just you know that was what, what I understood who she was and I felt welcome in by her if that makes sense and like, was it like specifically like she was in a larger body herself? So just by being open about that, that made you feel safe or? Yeah. Yeah. So she would be what I would categorize as thinner than myself, but she has her um, own body image issues that she is open about discussing. And she talks about, and that was part of the bikini shoot. I remember she was talking about how, like when she was younger, she could never imagine, you know, like having a professional photographer take pictures of her in a bathing suit because she's self-conscious about certain body parts and, you know, and like, she has like bigger thighs and that's something that she's been embarrassed by in the past. And she's like, so excited to be able to like show herself <laughs> out in the world exactly as she is. And that definitely, it spoke to me. It resonated with me for sure. I think that's so important because it's like, 
I think like some companies get like nervous when I start talking about inclusivity and marketing and they're like, so we have to rewrite everything. We have to redo everything. And I'm like, no, it can be as simple as having like an image of someone just right. have like different <laughs> images. Like it's not actually a huge heavy lift to just like feature different people in your marketing. Um, the other thing I wanted to call out is that, um, so one of my clients and I'm also a client of theirs is this really awesome local pole dancing studio in Portland called Ecdesiast. Um, and one of their programs is called fat camp and it's exclusively for people that identify as fat, um, and taught by someone who identifies as fat, which is so cool. And I had a friend of mine being like, I don't go to dance classes or I haven't, I love dancing, haven't gone in years because I don't want to be like the biggest person in the room. And this was like the first time I went to a dance class in like five years because I felt like this would be a safe space. And what's interesting is like now they're a fan of the studio for life. So not just that teacher, not just that class, but that that studio is like, this is in our values. We're hosting something like this. Um, yeah, yeah, tell me a little bit about what, sure. oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry, I just, it's an entry point for sure. Like, it's like, it will bring in kind of what we were touching on earlier that like we're alienating by not having representation, you're alienating a lot of people that would come and spend more money with you on other things that aren't necessarily about them being fat, but now you've got them in the door because they feel safe and look at all these other things that we can sell to you, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. So um, I'm curious if you would like to talk through, like, what change would you like to see in the norms of marketing to be less harmful towards fat people and maybe even helpful to, or, or, right? yeah. I think acknowledging, like, I know I keep coming back to representation, but like acknowledging that fat people exist in the world and acknowledging that that's not something that we need to change right like so much stuff is marketed we've been talking about like health and wellness of like how to get healthier and how to like take better care of yourself and like if marketing could switch towards how to enjoy who you are and how to make the most out of like your time here you know rather than trying to fix our bodies constantly or trying to fix our minds on the with the en route to fixing your body you know like that's that's the kind of marketing I like to see is the like we're going to help you shed all of these societal pressures of why you should change and instead we're going to help you enjoy exactly who you are I love that so much I think like I was realizing the other day about my own internalized fat phobia that there were like a lot of my exercise routine was because I thought I was supposed to Mm-hmm. And I was like, but do I actually enjoy this movement? Decades on my own traumas coming with the gym and fitness. Yeah. And I was like, no, I don't enjoy like lifting weights and stuff. And so I remember recently being like, I'm not going to exercise to exercise. I'm going to do movement that feels good for my body, which was such a game changer. And I think it would be so powerful. Like I think a lot of people that are in exercise world are like the thing I need to do to sell this is tell people that it'll help them lose weight. And, um, and that I just want to shout out that is not the only way you, you 
that is not the only selling point you have for exercise. What if it was helping people feel beautiful? What if it was like helping people feel good in their bodies? What if it was like celebrating the body they have? Mm-hmm. And what if it was just having fun. What if it's just a good fucking time to dance around? Like, like Zumba is one of the things like, I love Zumba. I don't know if you've ever gone to Zumba, but like, it's just like an easy dance class. And by easy, I mean, like, you don't have to like really learn a routine, you know, it's not like a dance class where you're learning something very complicated. It's very simple moves and you're just jumping around and dancing to music. Like that's just fun. (laughs) It doesn't have to be about losing weight or building up my stamina. Like that's just a fun, good time. Totally. Um, any, anything you'd like to shout out for how like wellness industry coaches, mindset folks um or relationship folks can be more um welcoming inclusive of fat folks yeah I mean I think I already touched on of like be explicit about it you know like acknowledge that fat people exist acknowledge that you love fat people and that maybe you are a fat person (laughs) you know like don't try and hide that like uh filters filters is another big red flag we can go back to the red flag discussion (laughs) is uh if I see most of your like Instagram stories or TikToks in that form of marketing and stuff you've got like are heavily filtered that is something that is a red flag that will turn me off because it tells me that there's and this is my own personal judgment and I could be wrong but it tells me that there's something un healed within you about your own body and that you are not the person that's going to help me heal if that makes sense it may not be true that might be my own bias and trauma coming through a little bit as I'm saying out loud I can hear how that might be (laughs) incorrect but we all have our places to learn but someone who like consistently filters their face or filters their body it tells me that they're not comfortable with larger bodies they're not comfortable with natural looking bodies and so if I'm going to show up in my own natural self like I don't feel like that's probably a safe space if you're uncomfortable with natural looking bodies that makes sense yeah I mean I think that's a red flag I wouldn't have thought of which is really important to highlight like if if you're in the wellness or coaching industry and you're like selling helping people love themselves or helping people have good self-esteem and yet you are are only willing to show the most filtered, made up, shiny version of yourself. There is kind of a disconnect in that messaging. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, that as someone who has had strangers bother you yeah, <laughs> when you're just going about your life that you probably have some hypervigilance about this kind of thing where stuff, maybe other people who haven't had that lived experience wouldn't notice where you, for good reason, because of your lived experience, you'll be like, I'm not safe with that person. Mm-hmm. And so to, if you want more customers than the tiny percentage of traditional model body people, it's worth it to start looking at some internalized biases you might play that why game Carrie mentioned with yourself um so that you can stop accidentally sending off red flags that larger body folks won't be safe with you Mm -hmm. and that's yeah so I think to that broader point thank you for you said that much more eloquently than I did I was definitely like workshopping that as it was coming out of my mouth I was like oh (laughs) I have some stuff to work on here let's you know but to that broader point is like 
if you are willing to show up completely as you are, I think that speaks leagues to how you will accept your customers coming to you. And that can go for like any industry, whatever you are, you know, however, whatever you're marketing, it doesn't have to be that you're marketing self-esteem or that you're marketing <clears throat> fitness or something, but whatever you're marketing, if you're there showing up authentically, then people understand you're in their corner and that you're going to accept them being their authentic self. And I think that can be a really big deterrent is that if you feel like you can't show up authentically in a space, you you might not show up there. You know, you may just forego it completely because you know that you're going to have to mask in some way and masking is not fun. Such a good point. I, I This is really highlighting for me that if you don't want to alienate customers that are larger bodied, it sounds really important to me that you go on your own internalized fat phobia journey and um, see where you're having some biases you haven't questioned and look at those. So Carrie, as someone who's obviously really thought about this and gone through this journey and probably worked with your clients on this, if, if someone's like, oh yeah, I have some stuff to look at here. Do you have any recommendations for where to start or how to get started on healing internalized fat phobia for folks who are in a position for marketing and interacting with the public? Yeah, journaling is definitely the first thing that I always recommend. That is the quickest way that I have found, not that it's quick, but it's the quickest way I've found to figure out what's going on inside your brain. And I know a lot of people have um, some stigma around journaling. They either don't like writing or they can't do it continuously, or I'm sorry, like daily, you know, make a habit out of it. But I just encourage you to not worry about making a habit out of it when you think about it and have the time, sit down and journal. And then if you don't do it again for three weeks, that's okay. <laughs> then just pick it up again. Like, and you'll, the more you do it, the more I think you'll get into a potential habit for it, but that doesn't mean that you'll ever do it daily. But the way that I journal is that I call it the um, letting the brown water flow. So if you've ever stayed in a really old house <laughs> and you turn on the pipe, so you turn on the sink first thing in the morning and brown gunk water comes out and it's disgusting. <laughs> but then after a minute, once it's flowed, then the clear water starts coming out. And so that's kind of how I view journaling. And the brown water often is like, I don't know what to write and I don't know what to say right now, or I'm supposed to be journaling and this is stupid. And just keep writing like whatever's popping into your head and just write it over and over and over again until eventually something starts to the brown water clears out. And then you think, you know, like I'm supposed to be writing about, you know, like my own biases of fat, but I don't have any biases of fat, you know, because I grew up in, and then all of a sudden you're like, I grew up in a house that, and you'll start writing and then the little treasures will start to come out. It won't all happen at once, but that's definitely my first big tip is journal. That's the best way to get to know yourself that I found. Yeah. So we already mentioned, um, maintenance phase and I weigh, do you have any great resources that you'd like to point folks towards to, for some help dismantling this? You know, those are actually two of my favorite right now. I've been listening to maintenance phase. I've gone into a maintenance phase hole. <laughs> Jamila Jamil too. Iway is a great um, podcast. Jamila Jamil's personal account is fantastic as well. She's actually, that's how I found Iway was because I followed her <laughs> before that. And she's amazing at um, just calling her own self out and calling out, you know, other people in the industry and using her own position and privilege in order to highlight things that need to be highlighted. So I definitely like her. Um, 
I might send you some links because off the top of my head, I've drawn a blank, but <laughs> but I definitely know there's a few, um, your fat friend from maintenance phase, Aubrey Gordon, and there's a great Instagram account, Fativism. It's like activism, but with the word fat at the beginning, so Fativism. I really like that account. They put up really cool artwork and stuff. So that's um, just good stuff to help give you perspective on maybe if you're not in a large body or if you are in a large body and you still have a lot of uh, biases that you have not addressed yet, it gives you an alternative perspective of like, maybe being fat isn't bad. No. Love it. And then I also want to shout out like visually, like what would it mean to have visually diverse models? Um, I want to shout out Savage Fenty, Rihanna's lingerie line. And if you like, seriously, like watch her Savage Fenty shows on Amazon prime. They're awesome. Um, shows. that's cool. Yes. I will say one of the things I love about Savage X Fenty, she's one of my, uh, Rihanna's one of my favorite activists in that, but the models there. So this is another, like, maybe just a personal touch point to me, but when we have plus size models and we're like, okay, now we're going to start featuring larger people. Like you said, there's very one kind of model shape and there's very one kind of plus size model shape, which is a flat belly, small boobs, like medium size arms, and then a big butt and big thighs. So it's still like a very specific body type that many, many, many people don't have, <laughs> but they're larger than that model bottle type body type, you know? And so we're like, okay, we've done our piece. We've gotten a fat person on there, but it's like a majority of fat people have belly fat, right? Like a majority of fat people have like really large breasts. And so making sure that we're paying attention, the reason I brought this up is Savage Fenty does a great job of including so many different body types. There's people with belly fat, there's people with big butts, there's thin people, like it's very inclusive. So making sure that we're not looking at like what we would consider the quote unquote best body type to show off your product, whatever it is, but including many body types. I love that. Such a good point. I'm trying to think of some other visual examples and you can let me know if I'm missing anything, but another one I really like visually for body diversity is unique vintage. Um, I enjoy them a lot. And then the Thistle Inspire lingerie company is also one I like. I like seeing that their models have un unretouched cellulite. That was a big win for me. Oh, that was exciting. That's really nice. Um, their stuff is super cute too. Yeah. Any visual, any visual, uh, examples you'd like to shout out for folks who are curious to get, go get some ideas. Yeah. Well, you stole my big one, which was Savage. She's definitely been my favorite. I'm like, I found her like, I don't know how many years ago now, probably like a decade ago or whatever, when I was like, that blew my mind. And, um, I'm going to be honest. I don't shop a lot in the food well that's I mean we won't get into that in this episode but that's another thing that like larger people tend to shop less because they don't see themselves represented and so it's like once we find one brand that we cling to it right we're like oh finally thank god somebody's actually like thinking about our body shape and so we can do that and so so that would be another thing that I would want to point out though is that it does take time to build that trust like people fat people have been their trust has been broken repeatedly by marketing. And so you might try and be more inclusive and not see it pay off immediately. And you're like, okay, well, that was stupid and stop trying. <laughs> but it's not like it takes a long time to rebuild that trust, so, which I think we're headed in that direction, but keep going, staying the course. 
But on the flip side of that, can did you hear the words she just said? You find a brand that's inclusive and works for you and you cling to it for life. Yeah. But it's that repeat customer shit that we are all after. We want loyal, lifelong customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> but it's true. And like, you know, most people I think do shop that way, right? Where it's like, once we find something we like, we don't want to lose it. And so we have to like, as a marketer, it's our job to show people that like, we are worth your time, that what we have is valuable for you. And if you're alienating a large portion of the population, then there's no reason for them like to view you as valuable. Such a good point. Well, Carrie, any uh, last thoughts before we wrap up and I ask you to let the good people know where they can find you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of it. I kind of, what I just said too, like stay the course. If you are considering me being more inclusive with your marketing, it may not pay off immediately because this is a very, uh, sensitive topic of like, it's hard to know who to trust. You even probably heard throughout this episode, some of my traumas came out where I was like, that's like immediate red flag where I won't even like touch that, which maybe is like not fair to say that sometimes, but it is the reality of how people will react due to like the way that we've been treated in society. So making sure that you're just explicitly letting fat people know they're welcome in your space in a very loving and welcoming way. Don't assume that they think they are. Don't assume that we're like, oh yeah, of course, because I'm not a bad person. So they know that I'm not a bad person, but like make it explicit representation. Such great and valuable points. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Super important for all of us business owners and marketers out there. Where would you like people to find you? How can they work with you moving forward? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok are the two places I live the most. Uh, at Carrie.m, that's K-E-R-I dot E-M-M-E. Both of those, that's for TikTok and Instagram. And then there's a link tree there that if you want to work with me for coaching, or I also do, um started hosting naked events. So keep an eye out for all of that. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Love it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been so fun chatting. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Check out the show notes for how to follow and work with Carrie and myself. She's got a fabulous free three days naked challenge that you can sign up for for her to pop into your email for just three days at the link in the show notes. And if you want me as your marketing confidence cheerleader, you're going to want to hit that season of support link in the show notes. Please also, if you enjoyed today's episode, give us a shout out. We love to hear your feedback. If it gave you a breakthrough, if it made you smile, if you want to drop some five-star reviews for me so I know you want me to keep the good stuff coming your way and bringing you more irresistible marketing podcast episodes, let me know. Now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and go use your irresistible marketing powers for good.